We are in our series on communication, uh, telling his story, talking about Jesus, communicating the message of Jesus to the world, and also just communicating with the world as believers and with each other as well. Uh, throughout history, Christians have been through a lot of ups and downs, Christianity, I guess you could say. Uh, we've experienced things from being, you know, shaping pop culture to persecution. So there's a lot of extremes between where Christians have been and the culture around them. But whatever the circumstance that we've found ourselves in throughout history, uh, Christians have continued on steadfastly throughout that history, and I'm confident that we will continue on into the future like that until Jesus returns. And, you know, throughout all of the change in technology and time and culture, um, we change the way we do a lot of things, the places that we meet. There's a lot of things that change, but one thing that remains constant always and forever is the message itself, the message of Jesus, the story that we tell the gospel. And as Christians, we understand that, that taking that message to the world is something that we do in obedience, but it's also the thing that's guaranteed our perpetuity throughout time. And we're, we've been in John chapter 3 for the past couple of weeks, and we're going to return there very briefly today. But we're also going to look at a passage from Acts this morning. Um, we've been in Acts a couple of times in the past. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2 to start out, verses 42 through 47. Um, it'll be on the screen. You're welcome to turn there on your Bible, jump there on your phone, whatever you'd like to do. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. This is what it says. It says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in the prayers. Fear came to every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their property and goods and distributed them to all according to their need. And continuing daily with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. This next verse, verse 47, this is what we're going to concentrate today. It says, Praising God and having favor with all people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Praising God, having favor with all people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. It's interesting to think about the Lord adding to the church that was at Jerusalem. Daily additions made to the church by the Lord. And also people praising God and those followers of Jesus having favor with all people. I think that's an interesting statement. They had favor with all people. Now, that isn't the way it's always gone throughout history, but I think right communication can help with that, having favor with all people. Uh, and one of the places I, I lived overseas, a lot of churches would have what they called a yearly revival, and they would, they would do this. Um, I, my kids probably remember going to those. I used to go to them a lot while I was in uh, seminary. And many of these churches had been holding these yearly revivals for a very long time. Um, 
some long, more than a hundred years, they'd been doing this yearly. They'd been going on for a very long time. They would meet kind of the basic oh, schedule, I guess you could see, is they'd meet every day for a week, um, usually in the evening, but you know, over time that changed a little bit. Sometimes they'd meet a couple of times a day, maybe in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. Um, and they'd have a guest speaker come and speak. And I was even able to speak at a few revivals. And it was, it was fun. I enjoyed it. And at one point in history, these revivals that these churches had were a really big deal, something the community looked forward to. They were a very, very effective outreach ministry for churches. And then sometimes they would even go, you know, maybe even off the, the church grounds and they would set up a tent and people would come along from the church and they would bring neighbors and friends and then evangelists would preach the gospel. And they experienced a lot of success doing that and seeing people added, just like we just read about at the church in Jerusalem. And those revivals, sometimes they might go on for a few days, a week, and sometimes they would just really wouldn't schedule an end. And they would kind of go on until they came to an end. They might last a month or even longer sometimes. But unfortunately, this tends to happen with a lot of things. Uh, times change, people change, culture changes, and the effectiveness of those revivals faded over time. And even though some churches still make that effort every year, and they're very faithful about it, uh, part of the reason those revivals struggle is because, yeah, things have changed. They're diff different now. When they were very effective, uh, people, you know, even when they were doing very well, people didn't even really have cars. They would walk to these things. and People didn't have much money. There wasn't much else to do. They didn't have phones and TVs and all the entertainment that we do. And I think it's probably the case and reasonable to assume that some people would attend those just for something to do just to get out with the family, go do something that often involves food and meals and things. But as time changes and wealth grows and people are more mobile and entertainment sources are, are endless, the amount of uh, non-church people attending those revivals waned dramatically. And there got to a point where there was no addition happening and nothing really new going on. It was just more of we just do this because we do it each year. But the key there's always a key in outreach in ministries that churches do that are effective, that work. Um, there's always a central feature to them. And then, you know, it may change over time what that does. But that revival, the addition happens because people who don't know Jesus hear the gospel. That's the key. It always has been. And it's actually a fairly simple concept, really, when you think about it. The reason there's success, the reason people are added to church, the reason people are saved is because people who don't know Jesus hear the gospel. That's the key. And I know from the experience that as we begin to talk about this and, and talking about the gospel and telling the story of Jesus to others, that I can tell you over and over and over and over again, people listening online, people here in person, I can tell all kinds of people that we all need to talk about Jesus. We need to come to a point in our lives where we talk out loud about Jesus. We need to communicate his story to the world. And I've mentioned before that we have great opportunity to do that now with technology. Um, but the majority of Christians are probably, for the most part, pretty unlikely to follow through on actually doing that, actually going out, talking to people about Jesus. And I understand that for most people, it's awkward, 
and it's uncomfortable. And I understand that there's some hurdles that we need to get over when it comes to talking about Jesus to other people because of you know, cultural reasons, just relationships, all kinds of different things. But I want you to bear with me and work through this with me today. We're gonna to work on hopefully working towards that at the very least. And maybe if you're not ready to do that yet, you can at least pray about it. We'll be talking a little bit about that more. And you know, talk to God about the idea of talking about Jesus with someone else. And this sounds overly simple, but it's also very true. The reality is, is that if we don't talk about Jesus, no one is going to hear about Jesus. If I don't stand up here and talk about Jesus, we're not really listening to anything except the motorway noise. Without someone talking about Jesus, there's no new life. There's no additions to God's kingdom. And it's important we understand, very important that we understand that people have to hear the gospel. That's imperative that we get that in our head. Um, we've been created with the ability to learn and explore and understand, and a lot of us enjoy learning. And there are many things that we can learn on our own. There's a lot of things that we can study and understand and grow in and learn in. For instance, I believe, you know, that you and I, we could go sit under a tree or any person could go sit under a tree, go sit down on the beach and look around. And with no outside help, with no input from anyone else, figure out and see that there's something more to this than just what meets the eye as we look around at creation as we sit out in a beautiful place, watch a sunset, whatever it might be, there's a, there's a spiritual experience that happens there when we look up at a night sky. And me, people come up with different ways to explain that, but we try to explain it. We get that there's something more to what we see than just what we see. We can look around and we can figure out that, hey, this didn't happen on its own. Like we sit in this building and we look up the ceiling, which is really cool. And we realize that that didn't happen on its own. At some point, somebody did that. And we look around at the creation and we kind of, we can kind of naturally come to that same conclusion. We don't have to have somebody tell us that. We can also figure out on our own, I think with, without any real input, probably, I mean, of course, there's always cultural input, but we can figure out by just looking around and living in the world that there are certain moral parameters that determine how we should live. Um, moral parameters that are, that are good for our own well-being, they're good for the community around us. We can figure that out on our own and understand that. We can know that without anyone telling us, really. We can also understand that we often disagree on what those are. People disagree on what those moral parameters are. And for that, we can also come to the conclusion, well, we need something bigger than just a personal opinion to dictate what these parameters are because everybody tends to disagree at some point on some things. And we can figure out a lot of things on our own. We really can. We can learn, we can study, we can grow. We can reason out the existence of God. We can come to a conclusion that there must be a higher power. And we can reason out that there's a moral standard we should live by. And we can even understand on our own that there are times that we fail to live up to that moral standard. And we may even reason out that that standard comes from God, that it's, that it's higher than people. And we need that because 
We can't just go by our own personal opinions. We, we, we have all kinds of things that we can reason out, we can learn, we can study, we can grow. But there's one thing that we cannot figure out on our own. We just can't come to that conclusion by ourselves. We have to hear it. And that's how you and I as individuals relate to God. There's, we can figure out so many things, but that, we just can't figure that out on our own. You know, religion in general is people's attempt to do that, to relate to God, good, bad, or otherwise. Every religion in the world has a system, an idea of how that works, how people relate to God, and attempts to do that in some way, whatever it is. But they vary a lot, and they're different. But they're still similar in the basic practice of attempting to relate to God through morality, relate to God through doing the right things, through doing good things, through following a certain system. And religion built by people says, God accepts me because I do right things well. And the problem is, is that Christianity says something different. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, which is in opposition to all the other ideas that somehow the right, if I do the right things, I'm going to make myself right with God. It's only through Jesus that we can relate to God and be accepted by him. And we can't just figure that out. Okay, nobody's ever come to the conclusion that, oh, I need to know Jesus and understand what he's done for me to be saved, forgiven for sin, so I can be made right with God. We, we can't figure that out. That's not a conclusion we can come to our own. We can't just figure that out. We have to be told. We have to be told. Nobody's figured that out on their own, or at least read it. We can read it. We can be told. But one way or another, it involves communicating it, telling the story. There's never been a single person who has reasoned out for themselves what Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 16, where he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Nobody's ever came to that conclusion on their own. And the only way to know that is through words, either spoken words or written words. We hear it or we read it. That's it. You know, and, and think about that. Words are the only way that we come to know the gospel. We can supplement that with illustrations and object lessons and all kinds of different things, but it always requires telling the story of Jesus. I, I don't know, maybe you could do it with pictures, maybe, but I, I don't know, I just don't see that being a possibility. You're going to have to talk about it at some point. You know, we can live a good life, we can build relationships, but regardless of what we do, if we don't talk about Jesus, no one's going to hear about it. And we've heard about being a silent witness. You know, we've talked about that before, which, which is a good thing. The intention is good. I get that. And that's right. And, you know, we should do our best to live a moral life. But the thing about that is, is anyone can be moral. You know, I've, I've met a lot of great people who are very moral who are not Christians. And I've met a lot of Christians who really, frankly, aren't that moral. And they struggle with it. But no one can know the gospel until someone is either willing to speak out loud or hand them something to read. That's just the reality. Or, or bring them to a place where they will hear someone talk about it. 
bring them to a place like church, like church. That's why, you know, those revival meetings so I talked about were very successful at one point. Some people would probably just show up, but I think for the most part, um, they, people brought their friends along. They invited people. They would bring people along who hadn't heard the gospel. And so the thing in our passage that the Lord used to add people to the church day by day was people talking about Jesus. And if you go back a few years before that passage in Acts, one day Jesus is walking along the shore of Galilee. And this happens, Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. It says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, throwing a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Kind of strange language. Jesus uses a lot of language that may not first be apparent what he's really talking about. But verse 20 goes on to say, they immediately left their nets and followed him. They dropped what they were doing and they followed him. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you something. I'll make you something. And a few years later in the book of Acts, people are being added to the church at Jerusalem day by day. And that plan is still in place. Now, there's a lot of different ways to go about that, but it, the basic concept is never changes and it won't. It won't. And the reason that you, are, you and I are here today is because someone did what Peter and Andrew did. They stopped what they were doing, and they followed Jesus in obedience. They told someone who told someone who told someone else who told someone else who eventually told you, and now 2,000 years later, here you and I are sitting still talking about the same thing. 2,000 years later. Have you ever thought about that? If you could think about, you know, the person who shared the gospel with you, told you about Jesus, someone told them, you could trace that all the way back to biblical times, to the New Testament, to the things you read about in the New Testament. We're, we're all connected to that. We're all connected to that. And that's the plan. That's how it works. It's that simple. Followers of Jesus make sure other people hear about Jesus in some way, in some form, in some fashion. The Lord adds them. People make their own decisions, of course. That's not our responsibility to make people's decisions for them. But we do tell the story. We do tell the story. And maybe thinking about that makes you feel awkward, makes you feel like, oh, that's, that sounds uncomfortable. And that's, that's good because if it does, then you're thinking along the right lines. And Jesus told these guys he was going to make them something, fishers of men. And take note of the fact that they didn't start out that way. They didn't begin that way. That's a concept, you know, that we can, we can all understand. You weren't born doing what you are doing now. You, didn't, you weren't born knowing what you know now. There's been something in your life, in my life, that when you started, you felt awkward and nervous, and you probably weren't very good at it. Um, let's say someone's a nurse, for instance. I know we've got a few people that come here that are, that are nurses involved in the medical field. And for me, I cannot imagine being a nurse, you know, touching people and all that stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like people just fine. I just, that just seems like it'd be such a difficult thing to do in the hospital and all of that. That would be very, very awkward for me. And I imagine that I'm sure at least initially it was awkward for people who are very good at it now. I'm sure at least initially, like the first time you went to stick a needle in somebody, that had to be awkward. I mean, I've given a lot of animals injections, but given a person like taking blood or something like that, not that it's gross, just 
it'd be really uncomfortable for me to try to do that. So people who are, say, a great nurse, for instance, they didn't start out that way. That's not where they began life. They had to learn to do that. It's something they became. And Jesus said, I'm going to make you into something. And it's something we become. It's something that we learn. It's something that we make mistakes at. We stumble. Sometimes we're like, oh, that went terribly. Other times, maybe, hey, that went great. But all Jesus is asking you to do and me to do is what someone else did for us. That's, that's really all it is. And, but we need to know and understand exactly what he's asking us to do because sometimes the message gets confused. It goes different places that it doesn't really need to go. But the reason we need to do this is because Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus is the only way to come to the Father. That's just the way it is. The Bible's clear about that. And no one just figures that out. And if we believe that, and we know that people can't figure that out on their own, and if we believe that if they don't come to know Jesus as their Savior because of sin, a very literal hell is their destination for eternity. And if we believe that, like every Christian would say, yeah, I believe that. If we believe that, then we're faced with a dilemma that causes conflict in us if we believe that. If I believe Jesus is the only way to be made with right with God and that hell is real, is it worth taking the chance to sell someone I love and care about, about Jesus? And, or, at least, or at least finding some way to participate in making that happen. And it's always very important to remember, you know, that the Lord makes additions. It's not like you have to, you know, wrestle someone down and, and, and convince them. No one's coerced into a relationship with Jesus. It's a decision that people have to make for themselves, but they can't make the decision if they don't hear the story. So the measure of success in obedience is whether or not we tell the story, not someone what someone does with it. And you know, no one can figure out the gospel on their own. They have to hear it. They have to read about it. And Jesus loves people. He wants them to know the gospel. And he's relying on us to communicate the message. And you know, someone's thinking, no doubt, someone's thinking, you're going to ask me to do something I don't want to do. You're going to ask me to do something weird. You're going to want me to go stand on a corner and start preaching. And no one expects you to do that. Okay? Jesus doesn't expect you to do that. Um, this isn't about making you feel guilty, okay? I don't want anybody to feel guilty. I don't preach like that. I just don't do that. Um, guilt is a terrible motivator for most things. You know, Christianity sometimes uses guilt to motivate behavior. Guilt's a good motivation for repentance, but it's, it's a terrible motivation for obedience. Good motivation for repentance, but it's a terrible motivation for obedience. And I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm trying to help you. And Jesus wants you to do this. I'm trying to help you do what Jesus wants you to do. And we're not selling a product. Uh, we're not racking up points. We're not trying to coerce people. It's not that. We're just sharing what we know. We're sharing what we know about what has happened in our own life. I know Jesus changed my life. He made me something different than I was before. He has saved me. And when we think about the consequences of someone not knowing Jesus, that should at the very least cause us to stop and think about the people we care about, the people we love, our friends, our family, our relatives. And I know a lot of people do. I know a lot of people already do. I've had a lot of conversations with 
you guys about these things. But that should cause us to stop, to think. Someone cared about you, that's why they shared with you. And in my case, it was my wife. And she toughed it out sharing with me for 10 years. And that's been done over and over and over throughout history. That's why we're here now. And just a couple of chapters later, in the book of Acts, in chapter 4, uh, Peter and John had been thrown in jail because they'd been talking about Jesus. And after they were released, they went back, found the other followers of Jesus, and they're genuinely afraid. They've been thrown in jail. They're scared, as anyone would be, as anyone would be. You know, who wouldn't be afraid if you'd just gotten released from jail for talking about Jesus? And they got together with the other followers of Jesus, and they prayed. And you know what they prayed? They prayed. They said, God, we know you are sovereign. Okay, they recognized that. God, you're in control. You're sovereign. Please consider what's going on around us. Okay, God, we're, we're in a difficult situation here because they were obviously worried about it. It's perfectly okay to talk to God about that. And they asked God to grant them the ability to speak his word with boldness in the difficult difficult situation. And being bold, it doesn't mean anything crazy. It doesn't mean shouting or carrying on like that. But being bold means taking advantage of opportunities, just taking that little step when there's an opportunity to do so and talking about Jesus. Sooner or later, we've got to talk out loud about Jesus. And we should consider what's at stake if we don't take advantage of the opportunities God grants us. And I know I've had opportunities in my own life and maybe I didn't recognize them, or maybe I was a little bit hesitant for whatever reason when I had a chance to talk to someone without Jesus, and I may have let that slip by. And that's just the worst feeling, knowing that I let something like that slip by. But if you do take the step and you talk about Jesus, you know, they've got the information, what they do with it is their decision, but you know you've done what God wants you to do. And living in obedience feels right, it feels good doesn't mean you have to go out on a street corner and preach. It's not like that. You don't have to run around and bang on people's doors. I used to do that when I first came here. Um, did, wow, I didn't get a good reception when I banged on people's doors. Can you imagine? Um, but some people do that, and some people are successful at it, and I, and I support them in that. That's good. But you know, I've been there. I've done that. I know what it's like. But that's not what I'm asking you to do, and that's not even what Jesus is asking you to do. What, what I want to do is challenge and encourage you to first realize and recognize, and this is probably a really important part of this, is recognize that we serve a sovereign God. Okay? He's, he's big, he's powerful, he works in people's hearts, he can set up opportunities for us to share with others, he can do all those things. And I want you to recognize that God has you in a place in your life and has put you in a position and someone else in a position where you can do something that no one else can do. You can do something that no one else can do. You know someone right now, and think about that person, who you are close to that no one else here has ever met or is ever likely to meet. Someone you know that you're close to that none of the rest of us will ever meet. And God has put you in the perfect spot to tell the story of Jesus to that person. He's done that. To simply take advantage of the opportunity. And when it gets personal like that, things change. It's different. When someone knows and respects you, talking about Jesus is different. 
You know, it still has its challenges. Of course it does. I, I know I gave my wife all kinds of grief about that for a very long time, but eventually, obviously it got through. But it still has its challenges. But it's different when it's someone you know, you love, they care about you, you care about them. And sooner or later, we need to come to a point where we tell a story. And that may be giving someone something to read um, or bring them to a place like church, where they'll hear about Jesus, maybe. Would you like to come to church with on Sunday? Because if we don't do something, they won't know. Because no one can figure out the gospel on their own. That requires being told. And don't feel like you're alone in doing that. You know, we're, we're here to help each other with that. And we can do that through talking and showing and sharing. Jesus didn't send his followers out on their own to do a job. And if you can get them here, I'm going to share with them, okay? I'll tell them. If you can get them here, I'll talk about it. I'll talk about it. And another thing about that is if they come here and they meet you guys and they think, well, maybe these people aren't as weird as I thought, because most of you aren't that weird, most of you. Um, but I've seen it many times, many times where someone hears our message and actually meets our people and they show up for whatever reason. And they almost always say, they're almost always taken back going, that's not what I thought it was. That isn't what I thought it was going to be. This is different. And at the very least, it, it opens their mind a little bit to what we have to say. You know, maybe you share a sermon with someone. All this stuff is online now. And that's, that's pretty nerve-wracking for me to put everything I say out to the entire world like this. But it's there. It's available. Plus, there's plenty of other great guys out there who preach and do all those things that you can share with someone. If something resonates with you in some way, you can share it with somebody. Say, hey, what do you think about this? This really resonated with me. Maybe they don't want to come to church. Maybe that's just a bridge too far at the moment. You can give someone a tract. You can even write someone a letter. Write someone a letter. You can say something like, this is important to me. And it would mean a lot to me if you would take the time to read this because I care about you. No one's going to be feel ambushed by a letter, a handwritten letter. Matter of fact, I can pretty much guarantee that no one is going to throw away a handwritten letter without reading it first. That's just not going to happen because who gets a handwritten letter anymore? But let's talk about the message that we communicate, and the story we tell, actually telling someone about Jesus. People have some general fears when it comes to this, and, you know, I share those too. Everybody does. Even people who are very experienced at, you know, talking to other people about Jesus. And one of those fears I think a lot of people share is, is what if I get asked a question I can't answer? What, what, what if they, you know, back me into this corner with a question I can't answer? Or I, I don't feel like I know my Bible well enough to do this. I remember thinking when I preached my first sermon, um, I went to my pastor at the time and I told him, I said, you know, I think, I think that I want to be a pastor. I want to be a preacher. I think that well, that's what God wants me to do. And it was like a Wednesday. He's like, cool, you can preach Sunday night. And that, that really shook me. And I said, you know what? I, don't, I just don't feel like I'm, I'm, uh, I have the ability. I'm not educated enough to do that, whatever. But I, but I did it. And he kind of helped me. And I probably spoke for five minutes, maybe. And there's a VH VHS tape of that floating around somewhere that's hopefully since been destroyed. But, you know, and I still, even to this day, I feel like that probably way more 
than people realize. But this is what God wants me to do. And if I'm going to be obedient, I need to do it. And he blesses me for it. But what do you do if someone asks you a question that you can't answer? Can God make a rock so big he can't lift it? Or something dumb like that? Or did Adam have a navel? I don't know. I don't know. Honesty builds trust. Pretending you know something about something you don't, just it makes you seem dishonest and annoys people. If you don't know the answer, I don't know is, is the answer. Don't get distracted by things that aren't the point. That's confusing. It's a waste of time. There will always be questions that you and I can't answer. There will always be questions that probably won't be answered, at least until we can ask Jesus. And sometimes we think, well, I just, you know, I need to memorize all these Bible verses. I don't know my Bible that well, this, that, and the other. But we need to remember that for a great part of Christian history, like 80%, maybe, maybe more, Christians didn't have a Bible like we do now. They may have heard someone read part of it at points, but they didn't own a copy of the Bible like we do now, at least not like you and I do. But as far as that, that's only been, you know, being able to even read, own a copy of Scripture, that's very recent, very recent invention, very recent thing in history. So what did everybody do before that for those hundreds of years that Christians didn't have a Bible? They talked about Jesus because they were excited to share what they had in him. And all they did was talk about their personal experience. And that's happened throughout history. And that's why people were being added to the church day by day in the book of Acts. People had hope, and that's what they talked about. And that's how it's always been. That's how it's always been. You know, you don't have to memorize some special system or special prayer or program to talk about Jesus. You witness about what he's done in your life. It's not complicated, but even so, if we don't have something to kind of help us along, we don't do it. It's something we learn. And remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. We're going to go back there to John 3.16 for just a moment as we begin to finish up. There's a reason that verse is so well known. There's a reason it's so popular. There's a reason that almost everybody's heard that. It tells the story. It communicates the message very succinctly. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That sums it up. There are four simple statements in that verse that will help you talk about Jesus, to write about Jesus, to do whatever. And you can write these down if you want, just to kind of help you later. But the first is, is right there in the beginning. God loves. God loves. God loved the world so much, not the globe world, but the you and me and people world. Understand that God loves. First, God loves. God loves you so much that God gave. So God loves. God gave. He gave us his special, unique son as a gift who came and shed his blood on the cross for our sins. So God loves, God gave. He gave his only special and unique son. God loves, God gave. And when we believe, we believe that Jesus died on the cross for us. We put our faith and our trust in him. Lastly, we receive. God loves, God gave, we believe, we receive. 
we receive the gift of eternal life because through Jesus we have been forgiven. God loves, God gave, we believe, we receive. Write that down, whether it's your first time hearing it or the 1,000th time you've shared it. That's, that's what you need. That's what you need. That's what you need to know. It's what you need to hear. It's what we need to share. We're going to pray now. And I'm going to ask you to bring that person back to your mind that we, we talked about a minute ago. That that person that God's placed in your life, that none of the rest of us can reach, but you can. That you can. God has put you in a place, a special spot, where you can do something that none of the rest of us can in that person's life. Ask God to provide you with the opportunity to talk with that person and then pray like those disciples did in Jerusalem and ask God, say, God, you know my situation. You know what this is like for me. You know this is not easy for me, but I pray that you give me the opportunity and that I'd have the boldness just to, just to take that step and talk out loud about Jesus.